All right, we are in Luke chapter 16, and I want us to look at the parable of the unjust steward, is what it's known as. And in Luke chapter 16, verse 1, it says, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no, uh, be no longer steward. And then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now watch this verse here. And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is uh, least uh, is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now this parable here is one that I've preached on it before. In fact, I preached on it uh, earlier this year and uh, preached about stewardship. And that's usually what people will do when they preach from this parable they will talk about, just uh, use kind of a life application principle and talk about stewardship. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But one of the things that I've learned in the last few years about parables is the original purpose of the parable is rarely preached about anymore at all. And I found out why. It's because many of the parables were specifically aimed at the Jews and were often showing how they were about to lose the kingdom. And especially in the book of Luke, we have a few chapters here where Jesus is giving parable after parable, and it's all, I mean, aimed right smack at Israel, letting them know that they are in trouble. And we always take these things and we preach about everything except for what Jesus was trying to get across in that situation. For example, in the same chapter, we have the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We always use that to preach a sermon about hell. Now, there's nothing wrong with using that to preach a sermon about hell. But at the end of the day, the primary application of that is if you're not going to believe the Bible, you're not going to believe a miracle. You're not going to believe it if somebody raised, is rose, uh, risen from the dead. That's the main thing Jesus was trying to get across. But often he would kind of tell a story to get their attention. And then we start pulling things from these stories that, and making doctrines out of them that Jesus never intended. And that's not a good thing to do. And so... Uh, the last time I preached this uh, from this parable, I briefly mentioned kind of the primary application of it. But this is what I want to really talk about today is the real purpose of this parable. It's not just about stewardship and it's not just a life application thing Jesus was teaching. He was talking about something very specific. And so uh, the first thing we need to know, or I want us to look at again in verse 9. This verse is one that people often get very confused by. And many of the confusing things in the parables, if people would just take the time to go back and just ask themselves, who was Jesus talking to and why was he telling this parable? You can usually clear those verses up. 
Now, the reason people struggle is because they're always trying to make that one verse fit with all the life application principles they've heard, and it's just not going to. So, in verse 9, look at it again. He says, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Now, that sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? I mean, I thought we're not supposed to, you know, we can't serve God a mammon. Mammon's bad, right? But here he says, make friends with the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Why did he say this? What's, what's he talking about here? And there's a lot of confusion around this verse, but I think it, in order to understand it, it's important that we just kind of briefly mention some things that have been brought up in previous chapters. So if you go all the way back to 13, obviously we're not going to read all three chapters before this, even though that would help you understand this. But he starts out, we're going to go to this a little bit, where he's saying, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And people use this as a proof text to prove everybody's got to repent of their sins in order to be saved. And no, people use this passage too, not having a clue what the primary application of. Jesus is speaking to Israel here and he's letting them know that hey, if you don't repent, judgment is coming for you. Okay, Not just hell. No, judgment's coming on you as a nation unless you repent. Just like judgment was coming on Nineveh if they didn't repent. Remember, Nineveh repented, didn't they? And then, because they repented, judgment didn't come on them. But you know what? A greater than Jonah was there during that day. And Jesus gave him the sign of the prophet Jonas, somebody rising from the dead. And you know what? Israel still didn't repent, did they? They still didn't receive the Messiah. So we see that. We see uh, chapters 14 and 15. We're seeing all these parables that Jesus is given specifically dealing with Israel as a people, as a nation. He is addressing their failures. He is letting them know what is coming for them if they don't repent. And so when we get to chapter 16, there's absolutely nothing indicating in the Bible that the subject's changed. We're still on the same subject. Jesus is still dealing with Israel. He is speaking to a self-righteous people who had judgment coming for them. And they had judgment coming in a big way. But you know what? While these people are in trouble, while judgment is on the horizon, you know what? Israel was doing nothing to prepare for. They were doing nothing to prepare themselves. They were doing nothing to get right. They were just, I mean, here they were just going on their merry way. And Jesus is like, judgment is coming for you people. You better get right. But they're not doing a thing. They didn't see a problem. It's kind of like a lot of Americans right now when you see all the junk that's going on in this country. And it's like, hey, do you realize what this is all leading to? And we get frustrated, don't we? It's like, wake up! And that's pretty much what Jesus is trying to do in these parables. He's trying to get Israel to wake up because, you know what? The time of their visitation is here. The Messiah is here. And they are not receiving Him. And if they don't receive Him, there's judgment coming their way. And they're going to get nailed big time. And so Jesus is trying to warn them. But they're just completely oblivious. Just completely oblivious. They're just walking along, they're complying, they're wearing the mask, they're taking the vaccines, they're just going along with everything, they're worshiping Dr. Fauci, they're doing, you know, I, I can't help them just put these things in there, you know, it's what's on your mind, but it's the same kind of thing is going on. And just nothing is registering with these people. The Word of God, they're not paying attention to the Word of God. You've got the rich man saying, you know, send Lazarus, somebody rising from the dead, that will get their attention Moses said no. Or Abraham said no. They're not going to listen to Moses and the prophets. They're not going to believe the one rose from the dead. These are a stubborn, stiff-necked, 
hard-hearted people and judgment is coming for them. They are not waking up. That's what these things are ultimately all about. So the steward in this story, I believe he, you know, he's, he's kind of a picture of Israel, but here he's doing something that Israel is not doing. This steward, he gets word that he's going to be put out of the stewardship. Just like Israel had gotten word that the kingdom is going to be taken from you and given to another nation. Israel has been told you are going to be judged. And unlike the steward, when he finds out, I'm going to lose my job. And when he realized I'm going to lose my job, you know, he's like, I don't want to go dig. I don't want to do manual labor. I'm too old for that. I'm ashamed to be a beggar. And so what does he do? He says, you know what? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to go help my Lord's debtors out. And if I help these people out, if I do something good for them, when I'm in trouble, they'll do something good for me. So what this guy did, basically he sees the handwriting on the wall. He knows that his days are numbered. And you know what he did? He set him up himself up to be cared for, for when that time came, when he was going to be in need, he knew I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be without a job. I should probably make there be some people out there who will want to help me out. That's basically what he's doing. And Israel was God's steward. They had been given the oracles of God, but they had done nothing with it. We saw that in the gospel of Mark, when Jesus came in in his triumphal entry, they hadn't done anything that they were supposed to do. They were disobeying God. They had turned the house of God into a den of thieves when it was supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. But what were they doing? They were shutting people out of the kingdom. So when Jesus Christ came and he showed up and he saw the sorry job that they did, obviously, he said, because of this, the kingdom's going to be taken from you and given to another nation. But Israel's still clueless. Israel is not like this steward here who realized I'm in trouble. I should probably do something about it. I should probably set myself up to have some good things happen. And Israel, they were not wise. They did not do it. They were going to lose the stewardship. God was going to choose another nation, just like was prophesied in the book of Hosea. So when Jesus and John, when they came and they preached repentance to them, instead of seeking for mercy, you know what they did? They continued to rack up judgment. Instead of listening to their preaching, instead of repenting, they killed John the Baptist. After they did that, they killed Jesus. What were they doing? Just racking up more judgment. Judgment's already coming, but what did they do? They added to it. Why? Because of their stubbornness. They failed to see the handwriting on the wall, unlike this steward that we see in, the, in Luke chapter 16. They, they were in a situation where they could have helped themselves out, but they foolishly continued their old ways, and then later they paid dearly for it. That's the primary application of this parable. So when he's saying, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive an everlasting habitation. He's just basically talking about those people out there. You know what? Make friends with them. Do something for them. And then whenever you fail, whenever you're in trouble, they'll receive you. They'll help you out. But you know what? Nobody's going to receive Israel. Israel thought they were better than everybody else. Israel shut everybody out of the kingdom. I mean, they did absolutely nothing to help themselves out. And we know historically they paid dearly for it. So that's the purpose of this parable right here. So 
having looked at the primary application of this prayer, uh, this parable, how can we apply this in our lives today? Because that's what I want to do. And I'm, I'm not so much talking about stewardship, which is what we usually talk about. And if you, and if you want to get lessons about stewardship from there, that's fine. That's great. There's nothing wrong with it. But how about we apply this? Because obviously we're not Israel. Obviously, you know, we don't have this, uh, you know, judgment coming on us as a physical nation or anything like that. But there are some spiritual applications that we can make. And so the first thing that we can, uh, an application we can make or something we can learn from this is one, recognize the mistakes that you make and try to make them right. Recognize the mistakes you make and try to make them right. This guy in the story, he realized, I messed up. I'm in trouble. And instead of just continuing to be unjust, Instead of just continuing his old ways, he started thinking about the future and thinking, how can I set myself up for success? And he did it by helping other people, by, you know, you know, giving them a good deal so they would be appreciative of him. And then in return, they would take care of him. So here's the thing. If you are doing people wrong, you know what you need to do? You need to make it right. We need to get these things right. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 23, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. You know, many people today, they're all, you know, they're all caught up in a lot. You know, I'm a good Christian. I did this for God. I did that for God. But you know what? God wants us to have a good relationship with people too. Did you know you're not impressing God if you're spending a lot of time reading your Bible, praying, soul winning, doing all the things a Christian is supposed to do while treating your brothers like garbage? God's not appreciative of that. You know, you're, you know as parents, you're not going to be that impressed with your child who cleaned his room, did his homework, did all the things they were supposed to do, but spent most of the day beating up on his brother or sister. You know, if that's not going to, you're not going to tell them at the end of the day, hey, you had a good day. If they treated their siblings bad, you don't appreciate that as a parent. And you know, God doesn't appreciate it when we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ like garbage. He's not impressed with that. That does not make him feel good. And you can act like some punk that says, well, you know what? I'm a soul winner. Therefore, all my sins are covered. But you know, you can do that as a kid. Say, well, I clean my room. Yeah, but you hit your sister. But I did my homework. But you hit your sister. You know, I... I, you know, I ate my vegetables, you know, whatever it is, you know, you, you know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this transgression you did. You need to get these things right. You can't be acting that way. This is not acceptable. This is not okay. And when you do these things, you know what happens? Judgment is going to come. And when we are transgressing against our brother and sister in Christ, and then God sees us out there doing these works for him and doing these sacrifices, you know, obviously we don't do animal sacrifices, but we can give sacrifice of our time. You know, it's like, well, I know I treated my you know, friends bad this week. I know I called somebody a reprobate that probably wasn't, but I'll drop an extra 20 in the offering plate and God will be okay with it. No, no, that's not, that's not how that works. You know what God wants? God wants you to get that right with your brother. He wants you to go to them. And you know, many people today, many Christians, they are in all kinds of trouble with God and they don't even know it. They've messed up. They've done bad God's upset with them, but they're too foolish to realize that God's about to drop the hammer on them. And you know what? Instead of getting right and trying to make things right with their brother, you know what they're doing? They're continuing to rack up judgment. 
They're still out there railing on people. They're still out there treating people bad. They're not learning their lesson. And it's like, do you not realize the judgment that is coming for you? And, you know, and I've, I've seen this before where you just, some of the worst people are often the biggest railers and just the most harshest critics. I'm just going to say it right now. You know, I believe there's a time and a place to expose people and make the videos and things like that. But you know what? Whenever there's certain characters that I see on every video commenting, this so-and-so, this person's going to split hell wide open. They're a heretic. They're a reprobate. You know, I mark those people in my mind. I mark them every time. You know why? Because they always turn out to be the worst people in the world. They always turn out to be the people with the biggest skeletons in their closet. They've got all these problems in their life. What are they doing? They're out there just railing and railing and attacking. And it's just like, and then you find out what was going on in their life. And you're like, if I had that kind of baggage, if I had that kind of thing going on in my life, if I had that kind of past, you know what I would be doing? I'd be out there being gracious with people. I would be being nice to people. I would be sticking up for people. You know, I would be, I'd, I'd try to be an advocate. I would try to be a Moses in a situation like that, if th that's what I like to think that I would do if I was somebody and I just had all these sins in my past, I had all this baggage, I had all, there was all this dirt out there on me, the last thing I would want to be doing is being known as the guy that calls everyone a reprobate. I, don't, I wouldn't want to be that guy. I would be out there thinking, you know what, one of these days, somebody might do a Google search on me. They might find my mugshot. They might find my court records for things that I've done. They might start looking into my background and finding out what a scumbag I used to be. You know what? If I want people to forgive me, you know what? Maybe I should start being really nice to people. Maybe I should start, you know, realizing that one of these days it's going to be me. And that's what a wise person would do. But you know what we typically see? People just still out there racking up judgment, just still out there railing still out there criticizing. And folks, we've got to learn to recognize the things that we've done wrong and start making them right as early as we can. We need to try to make things right before a third party gets brought in who might not judge things according to your favor. We see in Matthew 5.25, it says, Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So right there, what he's saying, if you have a dispute with somebody, you know what? Try to get it resolved with them quickly because if you don't, anger is going to build up. You know, they're going to get more and more upset. Eventually they might go to the judge and the judge might be having a bad day and he might rule against you big time. It's best to just settle your conflict that you have early. Get it taken care of quick. You put it off, third party gets involved, you're probably going to be worse off than you would have been. Yeah, you might take a loss now. You might suffer right now, but you know what? You know, you have a fender bender with somebody. I recommend trying to get it worked out with them. If you were in the wrong, just admit it. Don't fight it because you know what? They might, somebody might have got it on camera. They might have an eyewitness. They might take it to court. Now you get to pay for the damage and the lawyer fees. And you don't want to do that. It's just going to be worse. So get these things taken care of quickly. But you know, a lot of people today, they're so stubborn, they can't admit they did anything wrong. And so what do they do? They just make things worse. They rack up more judgment. And you know, a 
a wise person, even an unsaved person, and Jesus given an example of one here, they have enough wisdom to see trouble down the road and they do stuff to try to prevent it. And so many people are just so short-sighted today and they're not able to see these things. So turn, uh, turn to Luke 13. So here in Luke 13, I want you to notice this is, again, because this is kind of starting out this subject, I think. I think we're still basically on the same subject of Israel when we get to Luke chapter 16. But basically what Jesus is trying to do in this, in this passage that people always try to use to prove you've got to quit sinning in order to be saved, what Jesus is trying to show Israel here is they need to have enough sense to know what's coming for them. And look what he said in Luke 13, 1. There were present at that season some who, uh, that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So these Jews, they heard about all these people that Pilate had killed. And in their minds, they thought, well, I know why that happened. That was the judgment of God. And here's what they did, you know, that got them judged, whatever it is that they didn't like. Isn't that how we do it all the time? Anytime we pronounce the judgment of God on any, a person, a city, whatever it is, we always know why God did it. And you know why God did it? Because of what, the same reason you would have done it. Isn't it? We always reveal ourselves when we judge that way. But you know what Jesus told them? Hey, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You know what he's telling Israel? Trouble's coming for you too. He says in verse 4, Or those 18 upon which the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? You think they're worse because of this tragedy that happened to them? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So he's, Jesus is basically just telling these people here, you're all in trouble. Judgment's coming for all of you. If you don't repent, you think you're so smart, you think you're so spiritual, you see these tragedies that happen to people, and you think you know why these judgments came on them, but you don't even have enough wisdom to know and to see the judgments coming for you, and if you don't repent, you're going to perish. That's what Jesus was saying to them right here. They, did, they knew what was wrong with everyone else. They knew why every other person was having problems in their life. Some Christians, they're so spiritual, they can tell you every problem you have in your life and they can tell you every bad thing that's going to happen to you as a result of this road that you're going down. But you know what they can't do? They can't tell you what's coming for themselves. They can't even see that judgment's coming for them too. They can't even see that it's, it's only a matter of time and they're going to be the ones getting attacked. They're going to be the ones getting nailed. They're going to be the ones getting exposed. They can't see it. They're so busy judging everybody else that they can't see their own, their own judgment that's coming for them. And you know what? It's repulsive to God when he sees that. You know, Jesus, he was very put off by these Jews who felt like they knew why everyone was suffering and why judgment, or why, why bad things came on them when they didn't even have the sense to see judgment was coming for them. Even though John the Baptist preached it, even though Jesus was preaching it, they still weren't able to see it. And you know what? That's how a lot of Christians are. We're great at figuring out why bad things happen to everyone else, yet we couldn't see, we can't see what's coming for ourselves. You know, we we all can explain why we got the blessings, because I put a little extra in, my, in the tithe, I put a little extra in the offering plate. It's because I helped this person out. I did this. I did that. That's why good things are happening to me. But when good things are happening to somebody else, they sold their soul to the devil. 
That, that, that's kind of how we are. And truth is, many people, they're, they're off by a mile. Judgment's coming. And they don't even know it. They don't even see it. And so the Bible is full of warnings about where sin will lead. Yet people ignore the warnings. We see in Proverbs 7.22, talking about the man who went the way uh, uh, by the house of the strange woman. She comes, she's tempting him, and it says, He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. This guy, he was too dumb to realize as he's going in there, just as happy as could be, that he was about to ruin his life. He was just as dumb, and Brother Sean, you could testify to this, as the cows that they bring to your place, that should be kicking and screaming. You know, if they knew what he was going to do to them, they'd be fighting. We've seen them all in the trailers before. They're taking the cows and pigs and things, hauling them off, and it's like, you know, they're they're just fine while they're in there. It's like you just want to go yell. It's like, don't you realize what they're about to do to you? I don't warn them because I'm I'm personally happy about it. I'm going to be one of the beneficiaries of it. And you say, well, of course they don't react to it. Of course they don't fight it. You know why? Because they're too dumb. They don't have the sense to understand. I mean, you could stand there pointing a gun in the face of a cow and he's, he's just going to give you a dumb look in his face. You know, just as long as he's got food, he's chewing on something, he's happy. And let me tell you, there's a lot, I mean, we, you can see it. There's a lot of Christians that are they're out there and the way that they're living, the way that they're behaving, it's like, do you not realize what you are setting yourself up for? Do you not realize how bad this is going to be when you get found out? Do you not realize just how much this is going to hurt? And they're just going along their way. Everything's fine. And then finally, it's like they get hammered. And so surely, you know, now you'll start getting things right. But then a lot of times they still don't even get things right then. I mean, they're like, they're like the drunkard. In Proverbs 23, 32, at the last, it biteth like a serpent. Talking about that alcohol. And stingeth like an adder. Thy heart shall behold, or thy eyes shall behold strange women. And thine heart shall utter perverse things. And you know this passage, you go on and talks about how he's going to seek it yet again. All these terrible things happen to them when they're drunk. But what do they do? They do it again. And you know, you and I, we see that when people start drinking. We're like, man, don't go down this road. Don't do this. This is going to destroy your life. But what do they do? They do it. Bad things happen. Bad things happen. We think, surely, they're going to quit now. But you know what? They don't quit, do they? They do it again. The guy gets drunk, beats up his wife. You know, guy gets drunk, you know, gets, gets in a car wreck. You know, you think, he's learned his lesson. He'll never do it again. But what do they do? They do it again. Why is this? Just, there, there, there's no sense. And it is. There's, it's, it's stupidity. It's just utter ignorance. And many people are like that. And they are, they are like that lamb, lamb to the slaughter, an ox, you know, until the dart strike through the liver. They don't even know there's a problem until they are getting nailed. That is not how we should be. You know, even the ant knows that winter is coming and prepares. We see that in Proverbs. Having no guide, overseer, or ruler. Provided their meat in the summer. An ant has the sense to know that you know what, difficult days are coming, I should probably prepare. And what do they do? They prepare. 
And so we see these examples of the Bible. Even many lost people, they have figured out that certain behavior brings certain results. Now, the world calls it karma. The world calls it karma, but you know, it's not karma. Karma. You know what it is? It's God's not mocked. That's what it is. You know, it's called Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you know, and we're all good at seeing it with everybody else. We need to learn how to see it in our own life. You know, you've, you've seen the co-worker. You've seen the things that he's doing. You've seen the rules that he's breaking. And you're like, man, this guy's going to get fired. This is going to catch up with him. This is going to end up hurting him. And then sure enough, they eventually get nailed. We see this kind of thing all the time. But yet we often don't see it for ourselves. This unjust steward, he did, he is bad as he was. He had enough sense to know I've messed up. Judgment's coming. I'm going to prepare myself. And so we've got to make sure that we have the sense to do that, that we uh, make things right with people quickly. We recognize what we've done wrong, that we have enough wisdom to see what's coming, to realize this is going to hurt me. This is going to do this to me. This man knew exactly what was going to happen to him. And so the third thing you need to do when you've done something wrong is or is, is prepare your potential judges or jurors to make good judgments towards you. Now, Matthew 7, we all know Matthew, you know, at least Matthew 7, 1a, judge not. We all, we all know that. That ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. Hear that? With what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. This is, you reap what you sow. This is what the world calls karma. But no, this is just God. This is how he, he works. And he says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? And behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite! First cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Here's what you've got to understand. And you say, Well, I don't have anything coming for me. I don't have any judgment coming for me. All right, well, right there, that shows, one, that you're probably just ignorant of all the sin that's in your life. Okay, you're probably the like that ox that's about to get slaughtered and you don't even realize it. And you need to ask God to help you recognize these things. But even if you're right, even if you've just been a perfect little angel and you've got nothing bad coming for you, you need to recognize the fact that you're probably going to do something somewhere along the lines. You're going to mess up somewhere. You're going to do somebody wrong. And you know what? Right now, this is our time to start preparing our potential judges and jurors. There's a lot of people out there too, whenever they're getting convicted of a, uh, when there's a possibility they're getting convicted of a crime or something, they often want to get their message out there and they're kind of hoping to influence the jury pool that's out there. You know, because once you get into court, a lot of times, you know, it's very limited what the jurors allowed to see. And so, uh, you know, people will try to do things like that. But right now, how you treat other people is preparing others for how they're going to treat you when you mess up. So you need to have, need to have enough wisdom to say, I'm probably going to mess up at some point. Maybe I should start prepping me to get judged good. Cause I don't know about you. When I mess up, I want everybody to be super gracious. You know, when I mess up, I want everybody to just forget about it, you know, and do nice things instead. You know, that's what, that's what I want. So if I, if I'm going to get that, isn't it going to help if I do that myself? 
You know, if you've sinned against me and I do good in return to you, isn't that going to make you more likely to do the same to me? But if I'm harsh, if I'm mean to you, that's probably how you're going to be with me. You know, you are building a judging record right now that people have made note of, whether they realize it or not, and they're going to refer to it one day when you're being judged. You know, every time the president announces a new Supreme Court justice or something like that, you know what everybody does? They go look at their judging record. They look at their judgments, how they ruled in different cases, because how they judge different cases tells them how they will judge potential cases in the future. And so they are, they're always looking at their record because that tells everybody how they're probably going to judge in the future. And so the thing is, right now, you, you know, you are, you're building a record. And one of these days when it's your time to be judged, people are going to look back. They're going to, in their mind. I know nobody's made notes on it probably. Maybe some people. I, I've heard in the new IV, some people do files on people, which is super weird. But it's, I, I, don't have, you know, I don't have any files on anybody in this church. Okay? I promise. I don't, I, I don't have sc- a screenshot collection. You know, I, I don't do that. I mean, literally the only file I have is just the one that keeps track of everybody's addresses and all that kind of stuff. Right? So uh, nobody break into my office and try to see what I got on you and delete the, you know, delete the evidence. Uh, I, don't, I don't have that. That's super weird. Okay? And you say, well, why don't you, how, I think you should do that. I think you need to be ready just in case people in your church turn out to be infiltrators and Judases and, you know, all these terrible things that happen all the time. But, you know, for one, I don't really want people having files on me. I don't want people treating me like I, a potential Judas before I've even done anything. And at the end of the day, you know, so I'm, I'm not looking for something to nail people with. You know, I'm, you know, I'm always looking for ways to be gracious. I don't like being mean. I don't like throwing people out of the church. I'm not looking for a reason to do that. And so, you know, I'm fine with letting things go. I'm fine with just being ignorant to certain things. You know, I don't want to know every bad thing about you. I really don't. Uh, I don't. I, so I'm not doing background checks, all that kind of stuff. If I am doing background checks with people, I don't think I've ever done one. Well, yeah, there's been a couple of people who have come through here that I was like, something's wrong. And I Googled them. Remember when Michael the Archangel came to church? I looked that guy up for sure, and uh, that dude was crazy. And we made the right decision throwing him out after the first service because yeah, some of you might remember him. Who remembers Michael the Archangel? Uh, yeah, he was Michael the Archangel. Yeah, he came to our church one time. And let me tell you, I, I found his Facebook profile. Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. We shouldn't have let him in the first service, but we didn't know. But anyway, you know, so some people, they, they have the wisdom to know they're probably going to mess up someday. And they're preparing judges now. They're influencing the potential jurors ahead of time. It says in Matthew 6, 14, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know what I'm also trying to do? I'm also trying to prepare God to go easy on me. And so if God sees me being forgiving to other people, God's going to do that with me. And He said right here, if you don't, He's not going to be forgiving either. So the thing is, again, often the, the most kind, gracious people in the world who don't have any skeletons in their closet, often they're the gracious people. Often they're the least judgmental people. And then you have Mr. Whack Job that's got all kinds of crazy stuff in his past, who's got all kinds of crazy stuff in his present, 
who's got all these things out there. You do, you Google some of these people. I, I've Googled some of the railers that are out there before, where it's just like, these people are psycho. And you do, you just, you just Google them, and then you're like, what in the world? And, and, you know, and I don't like bringing up people's past. You know, maybe it was before they were saved or something like that. And, and you don't want to, you don't want to bring those things up. But it's like every single day, they're out there bringing up people's past. They don't let anything go. They're not gonna, they're not gonna let the littlest thing go with people. And then they've got all this stuff from their past. And then if you dare bring it up, all of a sudden it turns out they do know all the verses about forgiveness. They do know all the verses about, you know, just, you know, letting things go and all that kind of stuff. They, they, they do know all those verses, but the problem, and then they wonder why everybody's so mean to them, why everybody's picking on them, why everybody's judging them so harshly. Everybody's judging you the way you judge everyone else. Because don't we love seeing, you know, those are the people we want to see fall, isn't it? You know, we don't get any pleasure. That's why, too, you know, the IFB uh, gets so much attention when they're scandals. Because we preach hardest against perversion, adultery, and all that kind of stuff. We're the ones that, you know, call women hussies if they dress a certain way. And, you know, we're, all, we're the ones that come up with all these standards to prevent all these sins and everything. And, and, and we do, we, anytime something bad happens... And I don't do this, you know, I, I don't do, you know, but you, you had the old generation that if a, something happened to a woman, they would, you know, blame it on her for how she was dressed, things like that, which was terrible. You know, they, they shouldn't have done that. But either way, you know, they did it. And so whenever something happens in that world, everybody loves it. Oh, these people that have been judging us so harsh, guess what? It's our turn to judge them. And you know what they do? They judge us just like we judge them. And let me tell you, it stinks, doesn't it? You know, it stinks when it comes back on you. It stinks when you are in the lynch mob and then they, all of a sudden the lynch mob turns and comes after you. It's amazing how many people all of a sudden they just have this awakening and this enlightenment when things get turned on them. Some of the people too that have just been the worst, the meanest, just the biggest, nastiest online railers in the world. And it is. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of satisfying watching those people get piled on sometimes. And you say, you know, you shouldn't be that way. I can't help it. I'm judging them the way they judge other people. Other people got great, ple you know, they got great pleasure in the failures of other people. Now it's coming back on them. People are judging them the exact same way. You know, it's just kind of poetic justice. You know, just let's just admit it. We all like the story of Haman, don't we? We love that story about how things got turned on him, how he ended up getting hung in his own gallows. And let me tell you, it's pretty fun. It's pretty funny when people who build the lynch mobs all of a sudden have the lynch mobs hanging them. It's like, hey, you set this up for yourself. After you set it up for somebody. You know, you thought you were setting it up for Mordecai, but you know what? God's letting it be used on you. And you know, the truth is, you know, a lot of people get caught up in these things. We do some of this stuff. But you know what? Some people have enough wisdom to say, you know what? I probably should get out of this mess. You know what? I probably should change my ways. I probably should start getting things right. I used to be a railer. I used to be one of these you know, online lynch mob people. I used to do that kind of thing. And you know what? The truth is, I don't ever want that to happen to me. I probably should change my ways a little bit. I probably should stop going after everybody and attacking everybody. And Folks, it's just... It's absolutely just nauseating just seeing people sometimes too who, and, I, and I've even seen it even recently where people who are getting nailed 
are like apologizing to everyone else now. And you know what? I would love nothing more than to just forgive and forget. I'd love to do it. I, I you know, I, I want to do that. The problem is, the problem is, I know how it typically goes with these people. They forget and they go right back to railing just a few months later. As soon as everybody forgets about them, they're right back to their old ways. Now, turn over to Matthew chapter 18. And, and let me tell you, when that happens, I don't think we're wrong in bringing up their history. Because people like to bring up, well, you know, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he moved our transgressions from us. And thank God when it comes to our salvation, those things are removed from us. They're never going to get brought up again. But let me show you a story where a forgiven sin was brought up again. And this is in a parable in Matthew 18, 23. It says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take an account of his servants. And when he had been to, began to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. That's a lot of money. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. This was a wonderful thing that this the Lord did for this servant. This was a, a fantastic thing that was done. He forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. That's not that much. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And the, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw that there was uh, what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. He's like, hey, you remember that guy that you forgave a great debt to? You know what? We kind of were expecting him to start being a little nicer to his debtors. I don't, isn't that a pretty you know, uh, normal expectation to have? I mean, forgiving a great debt, he's going to be a forgiving person now. He's probably, he was, that was so nice what was done to him. I think he's probably going to turn around and do something nice for somebody else. But no, he went and did the exact opposite. And so they came and they told the Lord what was done. And it says, uh, then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. So folks, right there, Jesus is saying, this is what God's going to do to you. You want to get your sin brought back up. This isn't talking about salvation, but just in, in your day-to-day -day life, if you are, if you're going out there and you're treating people like garbage, you're not forgiving people, just understand Whatever it was you were forgiven, that's going to get brought back up. And I, I said, I've seen it where people they do they they get out there and they they apologize. You know, I know I've messed up. I did this. You know, I used to be really blah blah blah. And you know, watch out for people too, who do public apologies and apologize to all the people they didn't wrong, but never apologize to the people they did wrong. You know what that's called? That's called just trying to make yourself look good. 
That's called trying to make the mob think you're merciful. Oh, man, you know, now we've got to be good to this person. Look at what they did. We've got to be merciful. And you know what? Hey, I'm ready to be merciful. But let me tell you about some of these people that are out there that have just been vicious to people, just been brutal to others. I mean, just lying, slandering, railing that are asking for forgiveness now. I think we should give them forgiveness. But you know what? I also think we should watch them. And if they go back to their old railing ways, you know what? We remember, we bring those, we bring up that forgiveness. Remember when you did something so much worse? I mean, I think back about just some of the things that we have watched people just get hammered for online. Just little things. Just dumb little things. People go nuts over it. And then great big things happen. And then everybody's like, we need to be forgiving. We need to be gracious. We need to be like Christ. Well, today, all of a sudden, now we're supposed to be like Christ. Where were we three months ago when we needed you to be like Christ? It, folks, it's disgusting. And you know what? It is? It's a very self-serving attitude that people have where all the verses about graciousness, forgiveness, they all matter. They're all biblical. You know, they're all needed whenever it's them that needs it. And I'm telling you right now, these are the people that are going to be judged the harshest. Those that have been brutal people, but then been, they've been forgiven these great debts. And when they turn around and go attacking people again, I'm telling you, there's some people, they just have no business ever attacking anyone again. Just absolutely no business at all. It's a horrible thing. And we got to watch out for that kind of thing. And I do. I love this parable because this guy, he got it. He figured it out. And you know what? Some of you need to figure out that, you know what? One of these days, people might find things out about me that I don't want everybody knowing. And, you know, it's okay if you have things from your past that you're ashamed of, you know, you don't have to tell everybody what those things are. You know, you don't, it's not, you don't need to keep reliving those things and bringing them up. We, we don't need to do that. But understand, there are wicked people out there that would love nothing more than to bring those things up. And if you do, if you're out there doing that same kind of thing to other people, that's just going to make people want to do it even more. Well, there's things I found out about people that I would, you know, I, normally I would never want to bring them up because it was you know, years ago, something from the past before they were saved. But when you see them out there just attacking people, it's like, you know, I'd like to bring that up. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to tell everybody. I, I don't, but I want to. <laughs> I, I really want to. It's a, very, it's a very repulsive thing. And then to watch these people get their comeuppance and then beg for mercy, it's, it's a disgusting thing. And let me tell you, it disgusts God. And what we all need to do as individuals, as a church, we need to be like this unjust, uh, this, this unjust steward here. I mean, he's an unjust steward, but he had enough wisdom to realize I've messed up. Let's see if I can't set myself up to get some forgiveness later. And I think that's how we need to be. We just need to be a church. Say, well, we haven't done anything yet. Well, I'm sure we probably have. But at the same time, even if we haven't, we might in the future, how about we set ourselves up for success? How about we set ourselves up for forgiveness? How about we make it not as pleasing and pleasurable for people when they find out something bad that happens here? But if we're out there just rejoicing every time some bad things happen to someone, just rubbing everybody's noses in it, everybody's just going to be waiting for the opportunity to do it for us. And I don't feel like that happening to me. I don't want that happening to me. I don't want that kind of thing happening in my family. So I better 
start thinking about these things now. And you know what? Maybe if something does happen, you know, the Lord will protect us. Maybe the Lord, but if we're always out there just digging in and looking for our junk on everybody so we can expose them, you know what? God's probably going to help other people find some stuff about us. And I hope, you know, none of us in here are so foolish that we are like Israel where judgment's coming. And we're too foolish to even realize it's right at our doorstep. We should be doing something about it. We should be repenting. We should be making things right with people. We should be setting ourselves up to be received. I hope we're not like that. I hope we've got the wisdom to see it. And so just in case, just in case we are that dumb, even if we're dumb and we don't have enough sense to see ahead and see what's coming for us, we can have enough wisdom to just be nice to people anyway. Let's just be forgiving anyway. Let's be gracious and merciful with people. And then if all of a sudden we find out we did something bad, maybe we'll get that same thing in return. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray you'll help all of us to uh, take this parable and apply it in our lives. I pray you'll help us to uh, just recognize our transgressions, help us to make things right with people. And Lord, help us to set ourselves up to be judged in a way that we would want to be judged. Help us to be gracious to others and, and merciful. Uh, help us be kind to people. And uh, Lord, I pray you'll just um, help you know, make a difference in our lives there. And so we can be a good example. In your name we pray. Amen.